This is the Blue Room. Radio City Talk. Okay, you're listening to the Blue Room season preview. Uh, it's the 8th of August 2016 and we're all set for another fantastic season. Support Everton Football Club. There's been some great news uh, in the offing in the summer for us. We're going to be back on air on the radio on Radio City Talk 1548 AM or DAB Digital Radio throughout the season every Wednesday at 6.30. So we're back in our old slot from the season before last. Matt Jones is with me. Simon Magnus making his debut as well. We'll get to them too in a minute. Um, but also some other news as well uh, throughout the season obviously we go big on football on Radio City Talk so on Mondays and Thursdays we've got the Legends show with Aldo and Sharpie always a great listen you're always welcome to phone in as well I do the phone so you can talk to me as well um, and we've got the Anfield rap if you're the Reds who tunes in to listen to this which I'm sure thousands of them do probably more so than Evertonians uh, they're back on Fridays at 6.30 and then of course on Saturdays it wouldn't be Radio City or Radio City Talk without Saint and Snods. They're back 12 till 2. So uh, your whole week is planned out for you on Radio City Talk. Now, on to the good stuff. Uh, as I say, Matt, we're back for the new season. We're back at 6.30 on Radio City Talk. Great news. Yeah, made up, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, po- the podcast did... It was struggling to get us all in, wasn't it, at times last season? And obviously with the way Everton were playing, I don't think a lot of us really wanted to talk <laughs> There was no motivation, it. was there? I, I, th- I think that semi-final finished me and you off, didn't it, Dave? Yeah. We came in to record before that, and then after that it was, oh, I don't really want to talk about Everton again. But no, great news that we're back again. Got some uh, great guest lines up having me as well, and starting with Versailles uh, today, obviously. And you can get it in all the usual places on iTunes, on our audio boom, if you follow me, Matt, Simon, and any of our contributors throughout the season, they'll all give it a plug as well. And it's at the Blue Room EFC for all the main content. And if you want to post a question, which we're going to get through a little bit later on in the show, Simon's with us, as I said. Simon, just uh, you, you have a lot of involvement with the Everton supporters, so just tell us a little bit about what you do with it and, and, and what it's about. Uh, Everton supporters trust. Well, I'm I'm the chair of the trust. Um, we're a little over twelve months. Um, well, it's coming up to our twelve month birthday official. Um, we launched in September last year. Um, a lot of the, the the work we've been doing over the last twelve months is, is um, been around the, the food bank stuff, which which you you may have seen. You may have massive up success, on. hasn't it? Yeah, major, and it's um it, it's something that we're really proud of at the at the trust. Um, it, it's working in conjunction with Spirits of Shankly from obviously the cousins across the park and and uh, the guys from the the local charities and churches around um, Goodison Park and Anfield and. And we have been going from strength to strength, been making some good relationships with the with the club, with the fans, um, with with people involved in in sort of the local communities, and um, we hope that we're going to progress it on um, next season. Uh, we've been getting some good feedback, some good support from sort of national um, organisations and 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 similar organisations to to ourselves and. There are a few other trusts and, and fan groups that are looking to use the model that we've got and, and bring it down to, to wherever, wherever they are. So that's fantastic for us. And we'll give it another plug at the end, obviously, but how can people get involved if they want to? Well, we have um, various drop-off sessions around uh, Goodison Park. Um, the fans forum are involved now and we have um, a drop-off session in the fan zone. Uh, we also have a drop-off session in St Luke's upstairs in St Luke's that's our... Uh, the trust's main drop-off, we man that, and, and we're there for, for people to come up and chat to, have a cup of tea on the ground floor. Come that's up. on a match day as well. That's on a match it? day, yeah. So every match day, uh, we'll be upstairs on the first floor with um, other great uh, Everton organisations like Everton Heritage Society and Toffee Art, and you can buy your programmes and, and drop off old kits and, and go and see the Rulatero Society. And There's lots going on, and it's a, it's a great place for... 
um, you know, your sort of community-based organisations to, to come and, and, and get that difference Everton match day feeling mm. from from what you you know you're normally accustomed to maybe yeah from a personal point of view I've got, <clears> I've got to say as well I mean I, I met Simon in person that's what I've spoken to him on Twitter as I have with probably most of our listeners here um and I met him at a, 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 a what was it the dinner we went to yeah the, the shareholders, the shareholders dinner, in the season yeah. um a couple of months back and he, even just from a personal point of view it was great to get out and meet other blues and, and, and talk to people and the, the sense of community and sort of togetherness it, it's great being able to sort of get with like-minded people on issues that sort of transcend Everton in a way, isn't it? Like the food bank stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I think um, I mean, obviously, everyone has different opinions on on different aspects of the club and stuff like that. And we we we, we just try and encourage to bring people together. And 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 it's not just with Everton; it's with you know with um, our relationship with Liverpool and uh, their supporters and and supporters nationwide. And it's just trying to get. You, know, you have your rivalry on the pitch, you know, when that first whistle goes, you cross the white mm. line and the first ball's kicked, then you know, you hate your opposition till till the bitter end, but like after ninety minutes you walk away and you go and have a pint together or, you know, before yeah. the match you go and get food collections for, you know, the the less well off. And I think um one of the big benefits of obviously being a Premier League club is we have a lot of people coming into the city. <coughs> a lot of people coming into the city, a lot of people coming around Goodison Park and Anfield on, on their match days. And um it's just, you know, making sort of good of that situation and, and making the best of that um that situation and, and, and I think that's like I say, we're trying to push on for next season and and be better and hopefully collect more than Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I mean. It doesn't lose its competitive edge, no, does it? No. Um <clears throat> right, we'll we'll get on to the uh, the juicy stuff of what's gone on over the summer, what's gone on since our last show, certainly, which was Matt informs me before the semi final. Like he said, it's been a miserable time lately, <laughs> so we hadn't done one since then. Uh, but with us coming back on air, we thought we'd have to pull our finger out and do a bit of a preview show for the podcast. Um, Matt Ronald Coogan installed as the new manager. First of all, Roberto Martinez sacked, which is pretty much what we were all sort of pointing towards mm. towards the end of the season. Um, Everton didn't exactly act swiftly, but they got the man they wanted and identified as their first target. What were your thoughts initially when Ronald Koeman was appointed? I was absolutely delighted. I think when Roberto Martinez was eventually given the axe, of all the people that were touted and, and tipped for the job, and there was a lot of them at the time, wasn't there? I think that Koeman was the one that always stood out to me, especially in terms of the realistic options as well. You know, there's, yeah. there's some talk about Mourinho, some throwaway talk about other managers that were always going to be a little bit out of reach, but... Someone like him, who's got, who had pedigree in the Premier League, he had clout as a player, he commands the the respect just by by talking. He sets his teams up in a way which I think suits the the classic Everton style. I think he was the one I always wanted, and although there, there seemed to be talk about that he's going to stay at Southampton, it, it never really went away, did it? And I always thought that he would be the the, the man that they'd get eventually. And after he'd been on his two or three holidays, <laughs> he'd uh, yeah. eventually when he got back, Everton Everton got him, and I think. Although there's been a lot of, you know, I'm sure we'll get onto this later, there's yeah, been a lot yeah. of concern about not getting targets in, not getting these plays in before the start of the season. What Everton have done off the pitch in terms of the recruitment and getting the, the manager, getting the director of football, I think is, is really encouraging and bodes well for the future. Mm. It, it, interesting that you say um, somebody who we could approach, somebody who is realistic in terms of getting, because my initial thoughts, Simon, were he's probably a little bit unreachable given the fact we just had an 11th place finish, all right. Yeah, we all know and, and love our heritage and how big of a club Everton is. We're all aware of that. We don't need talent twice about it. But um, I thought the the sort of he did enjoy European football at Southampton. He built a squad despite having players taken from him, 
all the way through his, his tenure at Southampton. I thought it was a real difficult sort of and uh, a real difficult time for us to try and get him. Um, albeit we did in the end, much to the the anger and angst of uh, every Southampton fan, I'm sure. But um, to get him is a coup in itself, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, as Matt said, it was it was clear from day one. I think that you know the Cumin was the number one sort of target for them. And I I, I come in for a little bit of ridicule because I don't um when when the Martinez um into um news broke. I I done a um a news piece on uh, ITV and BBC. And I said we should aim for aim for the stars and go for Mourinho and work our way down and 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 the whole idea behind that is people give give me a bit, bit why, why would Mourinho go to Everton? But people gave yeah. yeah. But the idea from that is you know we are we are a big club we're a sleeping giant. People keep saying that we should act like it. Mm. And I think that one of the the positives that I've took out of this um, summer is that despite the challenges that have faced us with. Um, with us finishing eleventh, with us not having European football, um, we've gone about getting hold of Cumin and and um, the director of football later on in the summer in a professional manner. That's you know we, we've not gone out and aired our dirty laundry you know in the media in, in the public, um, which a couple of clubs can be guilty of. Mm. Um, we've, we've just gone about it in a professional manner, and that's from from an Evertonian perspective, who's lived through the nineties, who's lived through. The Moyes era and the, and you know the last couple of years, it's really refreshing to see us acting in that manner. Mm. You know we're, we're, not, we're not being bullied by another club. Who you know Southampton quite rightly would would feel aggrieved that you know um, Cumin's building something there, and you know he, he's not jumped ship, but he's gone to a you know another project. That I hate using that word, but yeah. I will do in it's, this case because it does mm, feel like it's a project. modern jargon, isn't it? In football? Yeah. yeah, and and let's not beat around the bush. Um, money talks in football, and I'm sure that you know. In this case as well, money talk, but it's it, it's not just going to be the motivating factor behind Cummins moving to Everton as a, you know a significantly higher pay package. It's the fact that he sees something special. He's not going to go there just to mm. you know come to us just to just for the sake of it. There's something special going on. I feel at Everton, and I feel all the elements are coming together a little bit. And I know you said it's it's not been you know a quick turnaround with Cummins coming in and, and with Walsh coming in, and I feel like if if the preseason was a, a month longer. You know, I think we'd be in a you know a week coming up yeah. to the beginning of the season, we'd be in a better place. But it is what it is, and um, I'm I'm I am positive. I'm, I'm I'm positive for the out- outlook of the club, which is you know the, the first time in in a in a while you can you can look at the future of Everton and see you know things are moving in a positive yeah. direction. I think, do, just, do you know it's funny about yeah. sorry, Matt. Sorry, it, it's funny about saying that because. You know, I mean, we've had a debate in the last couple of days on mm. Twitter, Matt, which people thought we were going to come to physical blows over. <laughs> Don't know, that's never going to happen. But anyway, um, the, the thing for me was I've had moments where I've been at odds with myself over this because mm. each time, and like Sam has just identified then, each each time I've sort of thought, well, hang on, this summer's dwindling on. We'll get, we're four or five days out from the start of the season. We haven't signed anyone significant other than mm. Idrissa Gay from Aston Villa, who I think is a really clever, shrewd bit of business. Mm. Um, other than that, it's still been the same old Everton feel to it. And then the, the caveat, the argument that sort of pulls me back into this sort of new faith is that, well, why would they have come? Why, it, why, would, yeah. why would you pry Steve Walsh away from a club that has just won the Premier League and obviously going on to bigger, better things, Champions League football? Mm. I'm sure he'd be happy to stay in his in his job course, had Everton yeah. not come along. Um, so and 
these are men that are, 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 have genuine ambition in football. It's no secret that Kuma would one day like to end up at Barcelona. Mm. I mean, no one wants to be a stepping stone, but if we're the separate stepping stone and Ronald Koeman ended up with the Barcelona job on the back of managing Everton, I'm sure we'd all be pretty happy because it must mean that he's done a really good job at Everton. These are these are fellas with genuine substance. They're not just come for the payday and and, and watch what's going on. And that that's the sort of faith that is reinstilled in me mm. when I start to doubt what's going on in the transfer market. But I mean, we might as well move on to it. Is is it frustrating you? Um, that we haven't been more proactive or as you pointed out to me on Twitter mm. you think it's a case of getting the pieces ready in place and this is going to be very much for the long haul I think what the, what they're ultimately paying the price for now is not getting rid of Martinez earlier I think if yeah. if you get rid, if you got rid of Martinez a month earlier you could have gone out on nicely to targets done the digging for, for a new manager got all this sorted out a long time ago and then that in turn Gives you more time to sort everything else. It gives you more time to go after Monchi, who was obviously the, the number one choice for the director of football, I led to believe. Gives you more time to go after like Steve Walsh. But Walsh was only, I was reading before, he's only appointed on the 21st of July. So he's not had that long to work with Ronald Koeman. He haven't had that long to, to isolate targets mm-hmm. and, and go out and get the players. And if you, for all the, the great qualities that I think Koeman has got as a manager, if you look back through his transfer record, when he's the man who's going out and getting players, it's pretty poor. He worked with a director of football at Southampton and a lot of those players who came in and had done so well for them were isolated by that director of football. So I think I'm still pretty relaxed about it all and I'm, I'm trying to envisage the, the, the bigger picture and the long-term project mm. instead of just looking towards Spurs. And I think I think there is a bit of an obsession with transfers in modern football. Absolutely. I think with, the, with social media all the time, there's so many rumours going around. Fans can tend to get hung up on it and get obsessed. You know, I'm sure. You know, we all probably all do the same. Get up in the morning, have you have your cup of tea, and then you look to see if Everton have been linked to any yeah. players, or even a, a half ten. Every night. five minutes, yeah. Mate, when even, job. even a half ten at night, when you know the, the stories break for the next day, you're always checking to see who we linked with. Who, you know, what, what's the story about Everton? What journalists are saying mm. saying it. So I think there's a lot of positive things going on at the club in terms of the recruitment off the pitch, the stadium. Obviously, we've got a, a flush new owner, a well, flush new major shareholder. And I think I'm, I'm trying to focus on that at the moment, but it, it is frustrating when you when you see the the, the club linked of players like Axel Witzel and William Carvalho and not getting mm. them. But it's it's all new for Everton, isn't it? It's, it's I'm the, sure it's frustrating yeah. for Cumin as well. I mean, he, the, these guys must have their their um, sort of targets in mind, and, and I, I do feel like that you know for the first time in a while as well, you know, money's not an issue, and we're not having to sell to buy. And um, I don't get that 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 feeling that you know we had like. You know, a couple of years ago, and um, I do, I do feel like you know it's probably frustrating for them as much as anything. Yeah, I will disagree. With, with, am I allowed to do that? Of course, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's exactly why you're here. Because I knew you were a trouble cause. Yeah. <laughs> I should say so. No, I mean, I, I don't. I honestly don't think um, sort of the, the the position, the Martinez position, affected us in terms of this summer, because I think um, whether he went in when he did or whether he went after the semi-final or before the semi-final, I think Koeman was still a major target, mm. target for them. Did and it make it more difficult? Did it, did it prolong that that sort of chase for them, though? Because if we'd approached him on the back of winning the FA Cup, say, albeit Martinez probably wouldn't get sacked, but let's say that happened, do you I, think it would have been easier to attract Ronald Koeman at European football as well? I, I mean... I don't think so. I it think it would have he, taken any less time. No, I think it still would have been done in the, the time it was done because, yeah. um, I mean, he's here with us now, and and you know, I'm I'm not sure how much of a 
short, you know, bait we needed to to, to dangle in front of him to, to not pull him stopping in. as all of he was exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And um, and I know the um, the transfers have been up and down, it well mostly down yeah. this pre-season. But I think when you take into consideration now, okay, you know, um, it did take a couple of weeks to get Kuhn into place, and then Walsh, and it, it is a little bit of getting the, the the pieces of the jigsaw into place. And I think with Walsh coming on board, seems to me that you know is reason for being there is you know is is scouting network or whatever you know is eye for players mm. and it, i think um obviously when when you you know you're sort of building a, a i'm gonna use project again i hate that word but <laughs> i'm gonna use it again when you're building a project and you, you're missing one of your vital pieces then that that will obviously impact on yeah. it going forward but, it's interesting you yeah. say matt about the uh, the time scale of things i mean to me who's who's desperate for us to go out and buy Every Tom Dick and Harry on the transfer <laughs> market, um, you know, you look and you think, well, how long has this Steve Walsh been around? It must be months now. Twenty first <laughs> of July is what three weeks, yeah. four weeks at the max. Um, we'll get to some questions as well because there's absolutely bags of them. Thanks for getting in touch. If you do want to continue to give you give us your questions over the weeks and months, uh, at any time of day, Matt checks them religiously on the hour, every hour. <laughs> so uh, we've had one from Lee Wilson. Uh, he says, is our transfer budget, I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier, Simon, uh, is our transfer budget still dependent on player sales? I would say no, because mm. you look at the, we haven't sold anyone yet. Yeah, We've gone out and spent big money to get Ronald Koeman in, we spent big money to get Steve Walsh in, shined the play of Maston Villa for, was it seven and a half million pounds yeah. in the end? So I, I don't think so, no. And I, I mean, you, you look at the, the way that the club have been linked with selling Stones and Lukaku, and I think if, if they were dependent on, on those kinds of outgoings to bring players in, then those deals would have been pushed through already by now. So I, I wouldn't be worrying about that. And all the reports you're getting from you know the the journalists who you tend to trust about the club and the, the budget they've got seems to suggest that the money is there. So I, I wouldn't say that's the case, no. Sam? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I know I'm here to cause a bit of argument. But <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I think, um, like like I said before, uh, I think the money the money's not an issue right now. It's not a worry. Um I remember a couple the dark days of a couple of years ago when you know we had to sell Arteta just to push mm. through two loan deals. You know the guy, yeah. uh, Drenthe and, and Strackle, yeah, yeah. sat there for twelve hours until the, the Arteta deal was done. And mm. but I want I want to put it to you both um, again, playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but also sort of influencing my opinion on mm. it. Is there such a thing as being overly cautious when you've got too much money? Is there is this what we're seeing now? Are they are they looking at it and thinking? Well, we could go for him. For instance, the Vitzel thing, we could go and splash whatever it is he demands on him and get him in a la Man City mm. a few years back. But we don't want to do that because we want to be meticulous in our recruitment. We want to get Steve Walsh involved. Mm. Can that be considered overly cautious, Matt, considering we're sitting on the eve of the season with one outfield player to show for it? And and let's face it, we need a host of new additions. Yeah, you, you can be. Yeah. And I think it, it's natural to be cautious when, you, when you're implementing a, a completely new structure that everybody at the club's not familiar with. You know, Everton never had a director of football before yeah. in the history. You know, all the staff there weren't mm. used to working with it. Koeman's probably the only person in the setup that, that will have worked with a director of football before. Even Walsh, when he was at Leicester, wasn't the director of football. He was, he was head of recruitment, assistant manager, so it's new for him as well. So it's, it's going to take time. And mm. when you're implementing that structure, you don't want to go out and, and splash big money on players just because you're panicking at the uh, the start of the season. But no, I, I think it's, it's important to get a balance as well, isn't it? Because... I think one of the things that, that Steve Walsh obviously was revered for at Leicester was getting these these uh, cheap bargain players in the likes of Mares, the likes of Kante. 
But if you look back through his career as well, when he was at Chelsea, he was the one who isolated players like SEN, Drogba, Gianfranco mm. Zola. So I think he's got history in both of them. And although we're all expecting Everton to go out and spend big money this summer on you know breaking the transfer record two, three times over, getting those bargain players in as well is just as important. So mm. it's 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 so frustrating in, in a sense because you do want to see them go out and make a statement in there as well. But it's important for a club like us who still probably can't compete with the, the very, very big boys in the mm-hmm. Premier League to be able to pick up those bargain ones as well. So. It's, it's a balance, yeah. isn't it? Because I think, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think you, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to go down the road of, you know, you've got this money, so let's just spend it for spending sake. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, we're, 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 we're a club that's like, you know, 20 other clubs is, well, not twenty other clubs, but you know, a lot of other clubs is very much dependent as well on the TV, the TV mm-hmm. money that comes in. Um, so you, you've got to act responsibly, responsibly, and within your means. And you know, if the, if 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 Whittle doesn't want to, you know, if the clubs don't want to do business over, I don't know what was it, thirty five million, something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that, then you don't want to add another ten million on on it because, you know, at, at the end of the day, we had a poor season last season, but I feel that the the players themselves. Are better than eleventh, absolutely, and, yeah. and I think that 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 one of um, Cumin's biggest challenges there is to get them to, to to back to the level that they should be at, and they're not at that level of fifth where Martin has had us. I think they're somewhere in between, and then you just need a couple of additions into that squad to, to push us up an extra couple of places. Mm. And I do think missing out on European football is a massive thing because, yeah, obviously, like I said, money's not the issue, and we. I, f- I do feel that we can compete with uh, some of the teams, you know, pushing for European places. Certainly, some of the teams may be possibly going for the Champions League places, and I, I just, I just feel that you know we need to supplement it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll move on to one of the other questions. So, just, sorry, Matt, go on. So, so would say in the case of like Ashley Williams, Swansea, you say apparently want fifteen million pounds yeah. for him. Is that right? Would you go out and just just give them that money now just to get him in for the, the game at the weekend, or would you be happy um, to? To bide a bit of time until the end of the window and try and get him for a bit cheaper. I'd be inclined to do that now, given given how close we are and how the Stones thing looks like it's just going to rumble on until mm. September the first. I, I I don't think. I mean, the, I actually defended them uh, with the Man United game. A lot of people got on his back for the performance, and I mm. simply said, "Well, he was still part of a defence that kept a clean sheet. He, he still had a contribution <laughs> in that game. Mm. Um, he was made a bit of a scapegoat, obviously, because of the links with City." Having said that, I don't know if I trust them 100%, and I don't know if it'll become like Lescott was against mm. Arsenal that day. I, I don't know if that's in him, that sort of performance, because he's that type of player. Yeah. He can stink the place out because he's that kind of player who takes that risk. When it is on his side, he looks like the worst player on earth. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know. With Williams, I think he'd be an excellent addition because he improves the back four, simply. Yeah. Simple as that. I don't really care for his age either because... If we've got the finances that purportedly we do have, then replacing him when he gets to the age where he can no longer do it at that level wouldn't be a problem. Much like when we got Distan. The issue with getting Distan was he had no sell-on value, yeah. and that mattered back then. I don't think it does now, but it obviously doesn't. I'd, I'd be inclined to say, yeah, I'd pay an extra few million for Ashley Williams. Whether he's worth it or not, I mean, put that in context. Mm. What What is a player worth these days? I don't think yeah. there's, there's any answer to that anymore. Given the TV money, like you alluded to, saying, and, and it's like not that. just um, the quality that you, you'll get on the the pitch with, on the experience of, yeah. of Ashley Williams, it's what he does off the pitch with. Um, okay, Stones might be going, in, you know, in a couple of weeks, but 
know, we've got some quality young defenders in there mm. that, that that could benefit from um yeah. from uh, you know another um sorry to say Ash and I'm older than you but an old head you know, <laughs> at, the, at the back there and someone with a bit of experience and you know the guy's just gone a fantastic international tournaments and you know captain of his club and um, he's at the peak of his power isn't he yeah, yeah this, is, this is the time mm. and like you say I mean he's, I think he's at the obviously the the wrong side of 30 but um, six or seven years ago when we spent five million on this time you know I, I had problems with that because that's not an investment, is it? Yeah. No. You, you sort of you're paying money to yeah. to burn it better. Basically, yeah. I mean, we got. I think personally, going back to that, we got more out of this than we probably thought we would to, to yeah. do is to do him some justice. But I, I completely agree with you. When you strap for cash, that is not the type of signing you make. A no, quick exactly, fix type, yeah. is it? Mm. Um, Phil uh, Phil S at Spenner seventy five has asked us a couple of questions. How disappointed are you with the lack of signings? I think we've answered that. Mm. Um, he also asks. How long will it take? And again, I think you alluded to it a little bit. Sorry. How long will it take before Cumin rids the players of Martinez's habits? A, a while, I'd suggest. Yeah. I mean, it's just um, there's so much wrong at the end of last season when you think back, not just in terms of the, the poor defensive play, but the fitness of the team, the mentality of the team, just the, the entire aura around the, the way that he played. It was just it was so much wrong about the, uh, about Everton, and it was toxic, wasn't it? And I think, I think the fans as well, in a way, are still reeling from that a little bit as well you said yourself there Dave we've, we've got all this this great stuff going on at the moment but you still have that, that little niggling reflex mm. don't you in the back of your mind when you, you, do, when you, you do think when back you to see, some of those those games at the end of last season you do when you see the likes of Morales coming on and perform that frustrates me in a hell of a lot of ways I'm thinking mm. why wasn't he utilised more last mm. season Dale Lafayou similar um, Morales th- does this every year though. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and yeah there's, there's a massive consistency issue with him I accept that um, but you know the, the assay thing was I know it's a laughing matter. Now well, it's probably not a laughing matter. No. no laughing matter, really. But I know people like to make light of it and make a joke of it. That to me is horrendous for the professional manager to to make that sort of mistake mm. on that level. Um, almost unforgivable in my eyes. I might be going a bit too far there, but um, <laughs> Belgium the, FA don't mind. But the, yeah, <laughs> but the thing, no, absolutely. That's a mad one in itself, isn't it? We'll get onto that in a bit. Um, but the one thing I wanted to add on to what Phil sort of asked there. Um, do you think? Cumin sees this as a bigger challenge than what he initially perceived. Yeah, without doubt, without yeah. doubt. I think, I think you've seen his demeanour change already. I think when he, uh, he's angry, yeah, isn't he? when he came when he came to the club, he seemed to he seemed to he was a lot happier about about everything. And watching him, I went to the uh, testimonial against Manchester United on last Wednesday, and wa- I watched them quite closely on the sideline. And he was just gesticulating, he was shouting, he was unhappy when players like Barkley and Delafeu weren't going in for for fifty fifty challenges and. I think if you if you look at some of the interviews he's done recently, and I think that there's one in the uh, Liverpool Echo on Monday where he said that they're too nice, they're not aggressive enough, and I think that's something we we spoke about a lot last season, didn't mm-hmm. we, on the show, Dave? We haven't got that, joke, th- yeah. those snidey characters in the in the team which yeah. you need to have, and I think it's while he's probably looked at the squad from the outside and thought there's talent there I can I can go in and work with, there is a lot wrong which we discussed just 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 previously. Yeah, we would we were ve- he was very complimentary in his initial press conference about how Everton performed at Southampton last season. You know, when they <laughs> battered them three 0 we must have looked like world beaters. And uh, I got the impression he's coming and he thought, oh, well, hang on, how poor were we in that game? If this is what it's really like, but I, I look at some of the players in there, Si, and it's like there's there's depleted confidence as well as an ability issue not not so much ability in terms of we all know how good Ross Barkley can be we all know how good Morales can be on his day Dale Lefeu on his day Lukaku on his day 
those days sort of were weaned out of them with Martinez towards the end of it. And it's going to take a hell of a lot to pick them back up off the floor in terms of getting them to play with each other and getting some self-belief. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I look back at the, the first time uh, Martinez came in and, and obviously the first season was fantastic. And, and, and then when you contrast it with the second and third and, and you can see that um, the sort of the, the defensive mindset that um, Moyes had within the team was sort of still learning. It was still in the muscle memory of the players, you know, um, not taking any sort of chances. And, and you know, Martinez's style of play was to... Um, obviously play football and bring it out from the back and, and, and that's caused problems and I think one of the things obviously that Koeman's highlighted is the, is the pressing of you know off the ball which is again it, it is reminiscent of, of, of the Moyes era because that's what you know he was famous for yeah. his hard workers mm-hmm. in, in the middle of the pitch and I think that, that that's always what what we've needed to, to have because you know I'm not, I'm not this this a type of Evertonian that um has a, a really negative opinion of of that Moyes era, mm. um, you know what the the way he left us and, and stuff like that, you know that that's obviously a bone of contention. I, I think but... I think people just starting to I think people sort of mix the two together too often, the too quick to sort of say, well look at the the, the circumstances in which he left and what he said afterwards. Yeah. He mixed that with how his actual tenure was for the entire eleven years. Yeah. It simply wasn't the case. And I do understand. You know, I've I've had loads of debates over the, you know the, the the style of play and how we've played. And I do understand. You know, it was a negative style of play, certainly towards the end. Not not necessarily at the beginning or in the middle, because I mean, there were games in there that you know when we when we played well with going forward with the likes of Pinar, Arteta, Kale, Yakubu, all mm. on form. You know, we were we at times we were quite an exciting team, but. You know, there was always that um, that mindset of, of of defense first, and I think it's just striking that balance between Martinez's, which, to be fair, I'm, I was a fan of, and, and I still am. When he first came in, that, that first interview that he gave with um, with the fans, you know, with, um, with Ped and and um, you know a few of the other groups, and the way he was talking about playing football, and wanting to do with the Barca way. And as a fan of Barca and that, and that, yeah. that, that, that that type of football, that really resonated with me. And, and that's I was I was so desperate for for that to work and for Everton to be the Barca of English football, you know, English football mm. with that ticker tacker style. And it, I think the problem with, with with Martinez towards the end was he, he just couldn't learn from his mistakes. And when when we were making the same mistakes over and over again, and it you know it it took. I remember. At one point last season, it took the players to say we need to play more direct to get Lukaku involved more, and that game we did, and we and Lukaku scored, and he was mm-hmm. like, you know, this the game, the type of football I want to play, and then you know, it just it just reverted back to back to Martinez type, and mm-hmm. and at times you could see um, you could see Lukaku after he'd scored a goal or two, and you know they go down the other end and they and we concede and you know we're drawing games, we're losing games, and you could see it in his face and and his body language he was you know deflated and for a player like him for a player like Ross Barkley to suffer the way they have that I think that's I think that's more criminal than the Ashes mm. 13.5 transfer <laughs> fee to be fair and it's also a lot harder to fix as well isn't it, it, it from, is, from yeah, Koeman's point of view well if you consider if you consider <clears> the point before about the, the way that the you know the, the Moyes mythology methodology of defensive football lasted that whole period of that first season that's a quite a scary proposition of yeah. Martinez's <laughs> You know that that sort of um, style of football is going to last for the, the, this, you know, this next season. I don't think it will. I think that I think the, the players will get it out of them. I think 
the first couple of games might be a bit, you know, touching go. Yeah. But mm. th- once they start playing regular, competitive regular, not 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 you know, friendlies yeah, which are just kick about some fitness. Once they start playing regular, and and I think it, yeah, going back to the transfer um, window. Once we know the squad that we've got on September the first till January, I think that we can push on from there, and, and that's really when when business starts to pick up, isn't it? Is around. October, November yeah. time. Yeah. That's think. when you're in the thick of the season. Uh, just, just one, on, just yeah. one thing about the <coughs> defender. I think mm. I didn't see the Espanyol game on Saturday. Didn't mm. didn't get down there, but I believe it wasn't great. Any, but watching them on Wednesday against uh, Manchester United, the one thing that was encouraged about about that game, even though it was an awful match, was there was a lot of players in there who seemed to have an appetite for defending back again. We played three at yeah. the back. Baines and Coleman were getting up and down the line with a lot of energy. Holgate played well. I, I, I want I want the old Seamus Coleman back <laughs> because do you know what we? we I mean, he's unfor- one that slipped under the radar, but he he genuinely suffered. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think unfortunately it's probably a little bit too late for Baines. He's probably I hope he do, he's not listening, but he's probably a little bit too old. But Seamus Coleman down that right, he's still got the years, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of good seasons left in him. And if we can get him down that, I'm in down yeah. that right hand side. Yeah. He's a threat, absolutely. Um, Mac Rice, uh, thanks for your question. I think we answered it anyway. But he says, "Are we panicking too early over additions, or is this a result of symptomatic abuse suffered for years because of Bill <laughs> Kenwright?" Um, got an agenda there, Matt. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Willie Bombshell. Graham Langley, sorry, that's his uh, name, that's his alias. Uh, He's a good lad, he talks to me quite a lot on Twitter. He's asked, firstly, what is success this season? And two, um, what is success if we get the Dock Stadium? Oh, sorry, what what happens if we do get the Dock Stadium? What happens if we don't? You want to touch on the stadium, Matt? We'll get that in a sec, but quickly, I just want to know, what is success in terms of a position, in terms of cup progress? What is a, a successful season now? I wouldn't put a position on it. I just want to see progress. I want to see the team playing, pressing football. I want to see them working hard. Is that not reason space see... for you, though? I don't, well, I, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we've just talked about all the upheaval and, and the seismic change at the club, and I don't think that's going to just come to just click into gear straight mm. away. And I think it might take, like Sai said there, I think it might take a, a you know a couple of games, maybe a couple of months even, to get going. And I just want to see progress in that sense. I want to see the team defending properly. I want to see them pressing off the ball. I want to see them seeing games out, which we did do so many times last season, hanging on to leads. And if you can start making those basic tweaks in the system and the way that we're playing, the quality of players like Barkley, Delafeu, Lukaku should come to the fore then. So I just want to see a clear plan put in place in terms of recruitment, in terms of the way they're playing on the pitch. And and just to see that that, that progress. Of, I know I'm sitting on the fence a little bit there in terms of not giving it an actual prediction, but I just want to go with the game, enjoy it again, and, and see the team moving forward. So are we, are we going from, I mean, one of the big, big things, I remember sitting here last summer talking about it with Matt and Pet was the um, necessity of getting a trophy. Is that still the same, or is it the, is the sort of, in, in a rather perverse way, it's back to square one with Koeman and we need to establish a foundation, whether that means winning a trophy or not. That's sort of irrelevant now because it's a new era and it's something different. Yeah, I think we have ste- um, made a, a backward step maybe too in, in, in this summer, not not in a negative way, certainly not in a negative way. I think that the, the you know the, the whole idea behind the, the trophy last season was, was a couple of factors. Obviously, Martinez's th- third year, we'd had a fantastic first year, Mediocre second year, he's you know he's got to prove himself now, mm. and, and we had you know stones there, and we were making big noises about keeping him. We've got you know Lukaku in, 
Um, we had all these elements with Dale Lefeu coming in last season as well, all these elements um, coming together of a, of a healthy, young, exciting squad. And also a lot of pressure on the boardroom as well. They haven't been there for um, for a while and, 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 and not seeing any silverware. And mm. I think the, fa- the position that we were in last summer and... Um, the outlook of the fans and the outlook of the club. I think it was, you know, we were in a, we should have been in a positive place. And, and I think, um, I don't think, you know, European football was unrealistic. I don't think a, a cup win, well, obviously, you know, we, we got where we did in the FA Cup uh, and, 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 cup and the League yeah. Cup, yeah. yeah. I don't think that was unrealistic. Um, this season now, I'm, I'm not, if, if we don't win a trophy, I'm not going to be bothered because. You know, we haven't done it for twenty-two yeah. years or whatever. But um, you know, I I, I want to win. I, I want us to win. I want us to win everything. But the pragmatic side of me understands that with all the issues that we've had, that we've talked about over mm. the transfers, um, like Matt, I, I do want to. I just want to see progress. I want to see better than eleventh, and I, I think we'll get that. But I don't want to be in twelve months' time sitting here thinking saying exactly the same stuff. We missed out on European football, that's why we're gonna miss out on these players. I think um yeah. like like I said before, mm. we've got we, we've got this um we're better than eleventh, but we're not as good as um fifth or that finish yeah. that Marnes had us. I think finishing. I think to in in short to answer that, I think um personally I, I think that there's a there's a success. There's I think there's a buffer between now, I mean, we deem success completely different things under two different managers just mm. gone. I think success and what is acceptable are pretty much the same thing for the first time in a long time yeah. with us, as in an improvement on 11th, an improvement in the style of play. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'll personally, I'll put a position on it. I'd put eight or above, I think, is a successful season yeah. for us, given how I do predict, I agree with you two lads, I think we might well have a slow start. I think it's, it's going to be, um, it's, again, marathon, not a sprint, it comes to mind with in terms of mm. recruitment, in terms of getting players settled. Um, also moves us on to our next question. I think Andrew, just to go back, so though, it's, go it's, yep. it's circumstances as well. I mean, <clears throat> I think where clubs are at, um, like going into a season, it depends on what your <coughs> sort of ambition should be for that season. And I think um, I think for, 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 for us to you know, have an ambition of winning the league as a realistic ambition that, that is unrealistic. Mm. But for a club like, I don't know, United possibly, you know, with the the, the, the dealings mm. that they're gonna make this summer and, you know, the you know, Mourinho coming in. But it's all about um the foundation and it's not just, you know, three years ago it was Martinez that came in and it was a change of of um of manager um and, and a f- you know a few additional players that suited his way of football. This this is a sort of from the ground yeah. up, and it, it, it's mm. not just Cumin and the playing staff; it's and the backroom staff. It's you know at the boardroom level as well. Yeah. And yeah. There is a big change to the club, and I think you've got to, like, say, I, I want, I want to win a lot, and I want to do it this season. But th- th- at the same time, you've got to be a bit cautious mm. and say, okay, you know, realism and optimism of yeah. something. Yeah, it, it needs to be reined in. It's so hard to say because we're looking at you know, like you said, we're five days away from the start of the season. There's rumours constantly being uh, linking John Stones and Romelu Lukaku away. We're not sure if they're going to stay on or we're not sure what players are going to come in yet. So it, the, the squad that we've got now and how it looks could look completely different by the end of the transfer mm-hmm. window. We could have kept them two and brought in two or three pl- class players and suddenly everyone's thinking, you know, this is a squad that can, that can challenge for the top four. top four. Exactly, yeah. so it, it's it's so hard to say at the mm-hmm. moment and I, I just stress for everyone to be a little bit patient. <clears throat> 
if we don't get off to a great start against Spurs, don't be don't be panicking. Saying that yeah. just angers us, Matt. I'll put yeah. myself in there category. Saying that just angers us. I want to get through these quickly. We haven't got too long left, so uh, thanks for all your questions. If we don't get time to answer them all in any any sort of length of time. Uh, we'll pick them back up on our first live show, which again is Wednesday the 17th of August after the first game against Spurs. Uh, Andrew McCormick jokingly says, where's the Arteta money gone? <laughs> so I reckon it's Trenton and Strachwell Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon it's Barclays Bank, but there we go. Uh, Paul Dwyer asks, how much of a mess has Bobby left us in? Balance of squad is awful. I think we've addressed that. Um, uh, Tony Martin's asked, are wholesale changes to the first team needed to eradicate Martin as a shambolic man management and tactics? Um, I think we've touched on it mainly lads but mm. um with in regards to that the team itself i think it's getting getting back to getting the best out of the personnel we've got because like i alluded to mm. earlier we've got some really talented footballers there and getting the best out of them is is going to be the challenge for ronald Koeman in the in, in in the first instance isn't it yeah absolutely and um, we, we've spoken a long time about having all these talented young players in the squad you know it's probably time for the likes of Ross Barkley, who's going to be 23 this year. Lukaku will turn 24 before the end of the season. You know, you're not, you're not. It's going to be not going to be long for you. He's not looking at them as young players anymore. You're going to be looking at the players who are in the prime years, and you want them to step up and, and start taking games by the scruff of the neck. And I think you look at that with the, the squad numbers, don't you? You know, Gerard delafay has been given a, a more important number. Ross Barkley's been given a more important number. And I, I've, I've read in there, or well, I'm led to believe that uh, it was actually Koeman who, who gave them those numbers. It wasn't really? the players themselves who, who picked this. So we obviously want them to take more responsibility in the game, and, and, and that's important. Yeah, and I think looking at the the, the squad, that's exciting, Matt. And when you look at what he's, I mean, he's given Ross Barkley. Number eight, yeah, yeah. Well, he should but be. then again, he's given a Rudin Corne number nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a big cat, doesn't he? Yeah. But, um, no, no, I think looking at, looking at the first team, uh, as a whole, is it, it does look promising, it does look like it can be a good side on paper, with especially with uh, with with Gay coming in as well. But mm. I think that the one gaping hole in it, which we've not addressed yet, and the one area I'm concerned about the most is the goalkeeper. Mm, yeah, and that's that, that was something I thought would be addressed as, as, a, as a you know, we were talking Paris, before, yeah. but yeah, talking before about going out and spending big money on a player and getting them in straight away. Mm. I think that's the one position where I'd say we should definitely be looking to do it. I feel as if I've neglected that, Mark, because personally how much I banged the uh, anti-Tim Howard drum <laughs> last season. We should have probably spoken about that first, but we'll touch on it in just one sec. Um, Roger Armstrong has asked what's a successful scene and we've answered that. Uh, the Blue Man, at Scousman Blue, what will happen on Saturday? I reckon it's a really tough game and if you give me a point, I'd bite your hand off right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably take a point as well, yeah, but... The thing about Spurs is you look at look at their squad and I think they've made a they've made a couple of signings, haven't they? They've brought in Vincent Janssen from uh, from Holland and they've brought in Wanyama as well. And I think they're both two players that'll suit them, big, powerful lads, mm. both hard workers, but there's there's a lot of players there really well as well, like like Kane, Belly Alley, Kyle Walker, Danny Rose, who all were part of that England shambles over the summer, weren't were they? Mm. And you just wonder are how are they gonna react to that? How are they gonna, you know, Go back to that first Premier League season. Will be completely over that. Will the scars have healed, and especially the way the Tottenham finished last season as well. They they fell off a cliff, didn't they? In the end, they they lost yeah. five one to Newcastle on the last day. So, I think there will be vulnerabilities there for them <clears> as well. But it's it's going to be a case of Everton keeping the shape, keeping the, the discipline, and, and hopefully the, the crowd getting behind them as well. I mean, a, a win uh, almost changes everything. I know Matt's saying there we, we can't sort of make predictions on these things, but a win sort of gets everyone tell everyone's tails up. First game, sell out Goodison. Saturday afternoon, hopefully in glorious sunshine. So it's a, it's a big opportunity. It should be seen as such as well. Yeah, you always want to start the season with a win. And, and to be honest with you, I honestly don't think it's a million miles away. I know that on the pitch, the, the pre-season hasn't been 
hasn't we haven't been setting the world light, you know. Um don't wanna to allude to you know our neighbours across the park um being title, well, title champions. Four goal elect- difference <laughs> one day and then less than twenty four hours having a, uh, having a neutral goal difference. But um, I, I mean, like I say, everyone wants to start the season with a win, and I don't think it's a million miles away. And I, I, I think if we can, I've been saying a couple of things over and over again this show, and I think I honestly do think balance is important. Mm. And you know, if we can just find a, a bit of that hunger, a bit of that um, the fight going forward, which we did have at times last season and the season before, uh, just off not often enough. And obviously, you know, if we. Uh, couple that with a, a, a bit of a defensive grit and seeing games mm-hmm. out and you know just no nonsense defending and you know Stones is capable of that uh, Funes Mori is capable of that and um, and hopefully you maybe we'll see Gay in you know in defensive coverage mm-hmm. which he, which he's been brought in you know in the midfield for um, you know we we have got all everything we need there to to beat Spurs and uh, I do think that we can do it. I think realistically you're probably looking at a point. Mm. Um I wouldn't be too disappointed with a point. But I do think that you know we, we can go we can go and beat them there. Absolutely. Um that's pretty much got to the end of everyone's questions here. It's <laughs> funny the last week we've had in there. Uh at Simiedo eighteen seventy eight have some cracking arguments with this lad. He's he's really good. Uh try and be positive. I need to hear something positive. You've <laughs> been generally positive, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. Be realistic. Yeah, yeah and I think I think what just just to, to go back to that first game what will give everybody a boost I remember the Watford game last year when it was just all the same wasn't it, it was all the same plays the same style of football and I came away thinking what's actually changed there yeah. you know we're just doing the same things again we're making the same errors again I think there's a distinct difference in the style of play that we've uh, that we're going to adopt it's going to be potentially an, another signing coming in as well and going straight into the team along with it with Idrissa Gay. I think it'll just give everybody a, a bit of a lift and something new to see. And that'll be, you know, you see the Norwich game at the end of last season, played a lot more direct, <laughs> a few young lads in there, and, and it was like a completely different place, wasn't it? So hopefully that, that trend carries on and we see something refreshing and positive at the weekend. Yeah. Um, just We didn't talk about the stadium. You know, no, I was just going to say, yeah, we've got well, a couple of minutes to go um, until we have to sort of uh, let someone else in the studio. <laughs> but um, they haven't arrived yet, so we'll carry on. Um, yeah, this the stadium issue, Matt. It's uh, abundantly clear that, well, I think every single person in the fan base, I don't want to speak for them all, mm. will prefer something dockside um, akin to what we were we were nearly on the verge of with the King's Dock. Yeah. Um, positive noises from the mayor coming out saying Everton could have a stadium within two years. I, I think yeah. they're conflicting arguments in the sense that that's you couldn't expect. Ambitious, well, yeah. I, I think it's I I think if he's talking about a stadium that's built. At the um, the other site, Stonebridge Cross. Stonebridge Cross. Yeah. If it's built there, then two years it's still probably unrealistic, but yeah. something closer to two years. Then you've got to factor in this Commonwealth Games bid as well, which people are saying, uh, you know, Everton's new stadium will mm. will eventually end up being that stadium. I think. Um, funnily enough, I was talking to Mick Coyle on, on Radio City Talk on on his show Liverpool Live, and he was saying, would would a good idea not be? If that Commonwealth Games bid is commissioned and given the go ahead, they build that stadium, let Everton have it first, then move them out for the Commonwealth Games, mm. and then Everton take it back. Because then you're not waiting that, ten years. That for seems it. like logical option, doesn't it? Yeah, that's but, never been done before, by the way. You know, you've, you've you've had those athletic stadiums that have been obviously West Ham and, and City, but they've the been way, Athletics first. Yeah, yeah. But the other way around, it's never been done. I, th- I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's you know. Interesting. The, the mayor did drop a little bit of a hint in me as well on Twitter about it. Somebody tweeted him he was up at Liverpool's ground and he said, 
you can see the whole city for me. And he said, how did, how did the docs look? And he said, they might be looking a lot better soon and then put a, a little winky emoji face. <laughs> so he's been teasing about it. But it, I, I think I've seen uh, Simon tweeting about this in the past and saying, it's either the docks or nothing for me, and I completely agree with that as well. Mm. You, you know, Stonebridge Cross, I, I wouldn't consider it a viable option at all. Mm. I, th- I think I think that's um... even for haste. I mean, we're all desperate for a new stadium, aren't we? Yeah. Save save someone was to offer you that within two years, and then said you'll have to wait eight nah. to ten years for the, a dock one. You, you'd still accept that? Yeah, I think uh, uh, for me, well, Stonebridge Cross is w- would be disastrous for the club mm. on on. The, the scale of Kirby would have been and was a disaster for the to club. that extent. You think? Yeah, I do. I, do, I really do because I think um, the difference between um, the destination Kirby era and now is what's happening around Liverpool City Centre and and, and the, the work that's happening here, and to, to move us physically further away from from that infrastructure um, and and the possibilities of of you know um, the docks that area that. If that even if that's taken off the table, I think you've got to look at a redevelopment Goodison Park. And I, I know over the years people have said, "Oh, it's it's too much of a big, um, too much of a big sort mm. of fish to fry." I, I'd rather I, I would rather take our time over ten or fifteen years to redevelop Goodison Park piecemeal than than move to a to a stadium like um, quick fixes. Essentially. Yeah. Well, mm. I mean, you look at when when. To go back to Destination Kirby and 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 to use that as a model, which I honestly think that we should be looking at what happened there. Um, the Rico Arena in Coventry was used as as a as a you know held up as this is the the stadium Everton could move into you know up in the northwest and look how that developed for them. You look at um, some of the new modern stadiums you know over the years that have been built in in you know industrial parks and stuff mm. like that, and it's just that I mean. You talk MK about Don Springs, yeah. Around, well, you it? talk about Arsenal and the Emirates, and you, you say you know they've, they've got this lovely stadium with no atmosphere. Well, imagine that on a you know in an industrial area out out of the city centre. Um, you know you, you've got obviously Croxteth and, and uh, quite you know quite close to it, but where where it is on Stonebridge Cross in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and I, I think Everton would suffer as a club, and I think that would be that that being dangled in front of us is. Um, I'm sure it's tempting, but I think I really hope that um, the guys that are involved in the club, even if the docks don't come up, come up, come off, I hope they, you know, they, they 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 don't go for it, they don't bite, and they, they leave it where it where it should be because yeah. it it, it would be bad for the club. Yeah. I think, in my opinion, that's my opinion. Yeah, totally no, agree. no, I, I think we're all in agreement with that because having seen what the King's Dock would have been, it would I mean. You look at it now. I mean, we're sitting here looking out over the maze. You can you put the echo arena. You're yeah. looking at it now. You're thinking, can you imagine that if it was a multi-purpose stadium yeah. for Everton's use? You could have all the concerts you like there anyway. You'd have a hell of a lot more seats than what the echo arena has yeah. currently got. To have that taken away from you so abruptly, which it was, then go through the rigmarole of Kirby. I mean, lessons need to be learned from that process. I think matters yeah. well, not just simply we need a new stadium right now because Goodison's falling apart. I mean. There's all of it. Funnily enough, as yeah. well, the club itself have been really proactive in terms of renovating Goodison this this summer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's actually going to be ready for the <laughs> Spurs game, given the fact that they've been talking about it all summer. Yeah. I've only seen the scaffolding going up the other day. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to consider. It needs to be a carefully thought process because now is a very, it's a fragile time um, yeah. to bring that issue up. Or albeit with all the optimism in the world that we've got going, 
it is sort of it's still a very fragile issue with a lot of Evertonians. Yeah, and I just wouldn't want to look back. Uh, you know, say in five years' time, we're in a stadium in Stonebridge Cross. I wouldn't want to look back to this point and think we've missed another huge opportunity there to get a stadium on the waterfront and, and you know all the all the benefits that would bring. So it is important to take the time. I think that the fact that that, that picture came out then of Mashiri and uh, meeting the mayor and the, the and the, the catalogue suggested yeah, that it was it was Stonebridge Cross. But I think I think that was probably placed there on purpose, maybe to you know to give PL PL Holdings a little bit yeah. of a nudge, yeah. But I mean it's just, I just don't want to look back and think, well, what could have been for a second time in terms of a mm. waterfront stadium? I think money money talks as well, yeah. like I said before, and and it, it talks on the pitch, talks off the pitch, and um, obviously you know we've got um, a new major shareholder involved now, not just that, but we've got a, a massive TV deal, and we're not the um, we, we're not in the position that we were a couple of years ago where you know we were dependent on like retail enabling for Kirby to go ahead. Um, and commercial partners exactly yeah, yeah. so you know ho- hopefully hopefully it's a goer and, and I really do hope like like Matt said that's a, that's opportunities too good to, to to miss and I hope Mashiri is like constantly on, on the phone every day to, to whoever it is involved in Peel and, Peel and is, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, have you changed your mind yet? Yeah. <laughs> Not a tenor off the price. Yeah, yeah. That, that'd be the old regime. Definitely, it? yeah. Um, we've come to the end of the show, sadly. Uh, could have gone on all night. I think we've done pretty well getting all of those issues into, mm-hmm. well, 53 minutes here. So uh, this has been the Blue Room. This is we've started as we mean to go on. So I'll be a major contributor this uh, this season. We've also got Elliot Bretland from the Daily Mail who's going to be contributing. Paddy Boylan from Click Liverpool. Ped is obviously coming back. Matt, myself, Dave Downey, who I didn't even mention that was my name at the start. In case this is the first time <laughs> I think everyone me. knows you by now, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> that fellow who moans on I Twitter all the presume. time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this has been the Blue Noon. We are live back on Radio City Talk, 15.48am from Wednesday, the 17th of August. That's our first live show. Uh, in the meantime, get in touch, field us your questions. We'll definitely give you a mention. I hope I've got through everyone without missing anybody out tonight. Um, get on to Sire's Twitter side. What's your Twitter handle? At shy underscore mag. You can tell this is, you can tell we didn't <laughs> yeah, tell him to have that yeah. prepared by to the be, way. To be honest, Dave, it'd be proper proper remiss of me because I mentioned the supporters trust that the supporters the trust Twitter account. At EST underscore eighteen seventy eight. But um we mentioned the supporters trust at the top of the programme. But I didn't say you can you can join, you can join online, uh EST eighteen seventy eight Come into St Luke's before the match on at Spurs, um get in touch with us on Twitter. Absolutely, yeah, and you couldn't exactly. meet genuinely for me. You would, you would do absolute strangers to me before, and you couldn't meet a nice set of lads. And I encourage anyone to get down there before the game, check it out. Don't even have to join. Make your decision, then go in, meet the mm. lads, talk to them. We won't bully you much. Get <laughs> get involved. <laughs> yeah. Um. And obviously, we'll be back on Wednesday, the seventeenth of August. Put it in your diary. The Blue Room's back, and hopefully Everton are back as well. We'll speak to you soon. This is the Blue Room, Radio City Talk.